name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was on retreat a couple of weeks ago, Brother Jeffrey, the former superior of the Society of St. John the Evangelist, told me this story. When Jeffrey was a young priest outside of London, at one point, at the beginning of Lent, he was a new priest at the time, and he decided that he was going to do an informal survey of the prayer practices of his congregation to see how people prayed. Well, Some people in his congregation got really defensive and the walls went up. What do you mean? You want to know about how we pray? Some didn't want to hear about it. Others decided, okay, we'll be truthful and say that they didn't really pray very well or very much. Still other people in his congregation gave those very typical answers when a priest asked a member of his congregation about prayer. But this one woman in Jeffrey's parish said something altogether very different. She said, you're going to think I'm a bit unusual, but what I've done over the last few years was create a space under the staircase in my house where I would go inside there and close the door and light a candle and spend 10 minutes every day in silence before God. Brother Jeffrey was very surprised. Really, but don't you have kids? Aren't they getting in trouble when you do this? And the lady replied, well, they did it first, and, but we talked through this, and I explained to the kids very deliberately what I'm up to, that it was my time with God. And who'd have thought, but they always behave. I'm very grateful She goes on to tell Jeffrey, Jeffrey, believe it or not, I have found that when I set aside this time to just be me and to let God be God, suddenly I understand my life altogether differently. It is the happiest moment of my day. I can be me and God can be God. Wise advice for us on a weekend when we've learned of another terrible earthquake in southern Mexico. And we've seen tragedy strike again, this time in Florida. More children dead. We hear about Russians being accused of meddling in our electoral process. About the ongoing struggles of the people of Puerto Rico and closer to home our DACA brothers and sisters living in this suspended state of unknown status. The world is upside down. We no longer know what to think. Many people want me to stand up here and fix this. Maybe to denounce someone in politics or someone's inaction or to lead some kind of protest to demand justice to the injustice we see because we see it. Others might believe we should be amping up the debate publicly, publishing papers, demanding action, demanding a different world, demanding for our hearts to have some sense of empowerment, some rational sense of closure, to demand some sense of the way forward for all of this to somehow fall in place. This is very important for many people in this room. This is tough. I sincerely want to fix this for all of us. 
Our hearts hurt. People are angry. Our minds are confused. We need guidance. We need direction. We need to know how to be. I cannot fix this. But the church, the family of God, can. But not in the way that you might expect. The fix won't be fast. But it will be permanent, long-lasting, if not truly everlasting. The core mission of the church is to take moments just like this and to help connect you. To help connect you with other people. To help connect you to Jesus. To help connect you to your soul where that still small voice of God is in there calling you beloved and drawing you in to help you receive God's wisdom and strength to face the days to come, where this still small voice of God reveals to you that no matter what adversity and tragedy and sorrow and trial and pain that we encounter, The presence of real life, the presence of living itself, that life force that keeps everything living going in the world, that life force is reaching out individually to you and wants to give you even more so that you can be you and God can be God. Today's readings are all about a God that gives shelter in the midst of a destructive flood. A God that promises that a covenant is established between the divine and every living creature of all flesh. Me and you forever. And then we hear about the early followers of Jesus in the time of St. Peter. Hearing a message that Christ suffered for the righteous and the unrighteous in order to bring you to God. As I've said this time and time again, Jesus came into the world for you and for me, but also for every living thing, including the things in the world we find hard to love, and even things in the world that we absolutely hate. The call for us is to allow God to show us this kind of love. How to love, how to be wise, but how to love the world, even when the world makes no sense, when our efforts seem utterly futile, even when our hearts are filled with hatred and we're ready to give up. Jesus came to teach us how to love so that we can love even more. There has only been one Jesus. There are several hundred of us gathered here right here. And millions of followers of Jesus everywhere. Jesus comes to teach us to love. So in Mark's gospel today, in very few words, Jesus is baptized. And then he's being driven out to the danger of the desert. And returning once again to Galilee to begin his public ministry. Brilliant writing, very few words. Notice what happens. The moment that Jesus is called beloved, his world changes. 
The companionship of people disappears. The refreshing oasis of the Jordan River shifts to a dry, hot, plantless desert. He's taken from being fully recognized by God to being driven into a hell-on-earth scenario of temptation in every twisted sort of way. And we typically read this every year when Lent begins because in some ways our lives mirror this mixture of affirmation and nullification, of ups and downs, of triumphs and tragedies. Five short sentences, that's all that's there in the Gospel of Mark. Five sentences sums up how the majority of our life experience feels when we see these ups and downs happening all around us. And so after we have a great experience and then something bad happens or something utterly tragic, what do we do typically? We want to offer a quick fix or we want to blame someone. Or we fall apart so badly we can't put ourselves back together. But look what Jesus does. Jesus emerges from his experience in the desert. Jesus emerges from his time of who knows what. It doesn't tell us. So who knows what? Starvation, loneliness, blaming God for his calling. In Mark's gospel, we get to fill in the blanks. And it's kind of fun to do. Think about it. What might Jesus really have been tempted about? But whatever it is, Jesus survives this. And God, this God of restoration, restoring life that we read about today, this God sends angels to wait on him. And then Jesus emerges, emerges stronger, more firm in his calling, more connected to God and humanity, and with a resounding joy to the people, he says, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Basically, here we go. God's presence is here. Change your lives and believe that you can live into God's dream for you. This Lent starts at a time that's pretty fragile for many people. But go back to what I said at the beginning. Think about that woman who decided 10 minutes, a candle, and solitude could change her walk with God. There's got to be something out there for you. There has to be. Only you can determine what works. But draw closer this season to this life-giving, restorative presence of God that we see today. Lent does not have to be miserable. We're actually being given a gift of forgiveness and reconciliation to start again from ground zero. We press the reset button and we get to do more things Right, we get to do more things right this time than we ever have before. We can take our life's Good Friday moments, those moments of setbacks, of intense loss, of frustration and confusion and jealousy, and we can even take our anger that someone else's life is set up better than our very own, and we can stop. We can stop the cycle. We can start over. The Lent experience gives us this. We can create our own time every day 
to peel back the layers, to step into our thoughts, to step into our walk with God, to remove how we want others to see us and just be ourselves, standing, raw, unadorned, unrefined, unedited, standing here, placing our truest selves right in front of God and saying, here I am. This is me. This is myself. The good, the bad, and the ugly. God, it's me. Do with me what pleases you. We can stop the cycle and we can make a bold difference in our world. But it starts with this Lenten repentance, this change of presence, this change of pretense, this change of practice. We're called to present ourselves, our souls and bodies, just as we truly are to God. Because when we do, we will be changed As a church, we will find ways to fix, to heal our broken world. And your life, journeying with one another, and your life, journeying with God, will be forever blessed. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Where do you start? What do you shed How will you reveal yourself to God? What's it going to take? God is a God of life. This Lent, you be you and let God be God.